This is the Philly Soccer Show. I'm KWW's Greg Orlandini with Philly Soccer Page writer Mike Cervetio. We talk with Union defender Austin Trusty. He scored the game winner on the road against Minnesota. Then KWW News Radio's Matt Leon joins the show. Right off the back, got to ask you: you pick up a game-winning goal. Uh, and that really, really good road a win. Sweet game winning goal. Sweet game winning goal and that really good road win against Minnesota. Can you can you kinda talk to us about the the whole run up to that goal? Um, yeah, we're just kinda keeping the ball in play, stuck around top of the eighteen. Um then just as soon as we got the ball and do a little chip in the box and catch for um Looks like he's just like it didn't get too close to it. Uh, I mean, he got close to it, uh, and then kind of took advantage of the opportunity, uh, getting in front of the defender, taking a touch, and shooting on that. I mean, the, the the goal was was obviously really well taken, but um, I mean, I think that the results probably the the biggest story to come out of Minnesota. How big of a result was that for you guys after uh, dropping some points at home the week before? Sorry, hold on. <laughs> my brother's uh, making some noise. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're big points, you know. Um, like in the results you wanted the week before, and I mean for the game, the week playing the games. Um, it's kind of it's kind of rough, but also getting that result we had in Minnesota is very positive for the team and a confidence booster for a lot of us. You know, not getting the results you wanted throughout the week, but that was that was a big uh, big win for us. It seems to be a, a rebound in form on the road this season over some of the past union teams. Um, is there anything different about this group that that makes it uh, a little bit easier to to get a result on the road? Uh, I mean, it's kind of just the atmosphere. atmosphere the team is built, you know. Uh, we want we always want to be a, a team that wins at home, but to be a team that wins away too, you know. And kind of tried to instill that to the to the team. Uh, last year too, uh, it's kind of just treating every game the same, and want to get three points out of it, no matter where we are, no matter what state we are, uh, what team we're playing. And uh, you guys, I think uh, for a single game set a uh, set a record for block shots. I think it was thirteen overall block shots, and you know Kai had the big block uh, towards the end of the game as well. Uh, is that something you guys work on, or is this something that kind of happened in this game where? You know, you guys were just able to get a lot of buys in front of uh, Minnesota shots. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's a mixture of both. Uh, we kind of, kind of just a natural defense defender instinct. You know, you want to get in front of the, in front of the ball and try blocking, do what you can, but also we we practice kind of drills, uh, blocking and depending depending the red zone and working as a unit um, to just deny goals and deny even shots on target. So it was kind of just a mixture of both. Uh, Greg mentioned Kai. Uh, you as the the left center back, and, and Kai coming in now in the left back position. What has he brought to the table, and what is your relationship like with him on that side of the defense? He's, he's brought a lot to the team. You know, he's a left-footed left back and likes to get forward, so it, it, it complements us uh, really well. You know, uh, I can play comfortable with the balls from me, comfortable with the balls from him, uh, and Nero. So it's it's good. It's a good uh, addition to the team. Uh, the part of your game that always sticks out for me is that your ability on the ball, especially kind of that, the ability to carry the ball out of the back. 
how, how much free reign do you have to do that? I mean, it, I remember asking Coach Curtin about it a year or two ago when it says, yeah, they like to encourage that from you. How much uh, how much encouragement do you really get to really just get a hold of the ball and if you see a lane, just be able to carry the ball and kind of get involved in the play like that? Uh, I mean, it's whatever the game needs, you know, whatever the situation you know, I have the hair, hair says no, and I can push forward a little bit. And Yeah, but um, in a sense, it's more of reading the game. and be, it was, I'm comfortable com- being comfortable bringing the ball forward, but also – be able to read the game and pick your pick your moments to attack and bring the ball forward. You know, as a def- as a center back, uh, my job is to primarily job is to defend. So I just got to be careful with that. But also, as a soccer player, you have to attack too. You got to win. So it's kind of picking your picking the right moments. I think we've we've noticed a, a trend over particularly the the, the three match span against Seattle, Portland, and Colorado, where the the visiting team kind of came in and, and bunkered a little bit more than we've have we've seen um, at Talon before, and it's it's a you know it, it seemed to be a decent way to to play against this Philadelphia Union team and, and try to hit on the counter. Are you guys aware that teams are are starting to do that when they when they come into Philly? Absolutely. I mean, we definitely, we definitely notice it. Well, I mean, in a sense, we take it, take it as a good thing, you know. Then they, they're giving us respect, and I think we've earned that. And I think no, I don't think any teams that are coming to our stadium now and treat us a lot different. They're all, we're always going to have a, a hit on our back for now on the rest of the season. So, you know, you've you've been playing mostly uh, with Jack next to you uh, in the center back position. How's that? Relationship developed between uh, between you two with him getting the bulk of the minutes on the right side of that the center back pairing. I mean, it's good. We, I mean, um, kind of just creating the chemistry and maintaining that chemistry. You know, uh, I mean, playing throughout last year too, we've been able to get a good chemistry going, and I know how he plays and know his movements. And he does my movements and everything. Um, but the partnership is good, and the chemistry is there, and just it's kind of just keep on maintaining that. I think tactically for the team this year, we've seen more setups than we've seen in the last couple of seasons under under Coach Curtin, where you, we've seen you know a diamond shaped midfield. We've seen the 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 four two three one that we we grew accustomed to last season, and then a, a couple of times we've even seen the team go to three at the back. How comfortable is this group yeah. switching into all of those those different uh, tactical formations? I mean, really comfortable. I mean, we it's all in practice. We practice every every formation possible. Um, just through mini games and big games and just everything, you know, just we're you're preparing for every situation possible, you know, no matter what formation we're in, we're in, we can play anything. Uh, as long as we're getting reps in practice in different positions and different formations, we're, we're all really comfortable with it. And also it's just how the game needs. And, you know, sometimes you get, you get an extra forward in the game and you get to the back. So just kind of being prepared for what could possibly happen in the game. Uh, something Coach Curtin's talked about a lot is the difference he wants to see in, in the guys and mentality between a team that kind of is going for that sixth or seventh spot in the standings compared to a team that goes that's going for the first or second spot in the standings. What's that mean in practical terms? I mean, how what's that mean when you guys are training? What's that mean in the locker room to have that that mentality that you guys are striving for the top of the standings? Uh, I mean, this kind of mentality we have now, you know, um, I don't think, I don't think any team strives to be seventh place or, 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 or one. 
to see who who can who's able to actually make that happen and actually stay there, you know. Um, but kind of just creating a good environment um, in the locker room and on the on the training field, you know, uh, being all friends and having good chemistry and being a family and family teams that are family they perform very well, so it's good, you know. And on the training field, treating every training like it's a game and not taking anything from it. That's that's what good teams do. So the big game coming up on Saturday. Uh, you got Red Bulls coming down um, from New York, um, a team that's been traditionally towards the the top of the Eastern Conference the last few seasons. Um, what are you doing this week to prepare for them? They're, they've been a team that's that's typically been more of a high press team. Do you think you'll see a high press for them, or are they going to be a team that that sits in in the in the way that Portland and Seattle did? I'm not sure, but I know the Red Bull uh, style of play, so I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, come out shooting. Um, but yeah, I mean, personal experience is a lot of film and a lot of tactical stuff just going out to the team and um, and with the coaching staff just being all on the same page. I got uh, one more question for you. Um, Obviously, big result for USA youth team yesterday with the, the U-20s. Uh, your buddy Mark McKenzie's over there, Philadelphia yeah. Union Mark McKenzie. Um, were you able to watch the game, and what did, what did you think of that result? And Marielle. And Marielle, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Great result, you know, beating France. Definitely a top team in their age group. Um, but that's a, that's a great result for the U-20 team. It's kind of a big Uh Well, Austin, I want to thank you very much for uh, sitting in with us. Uh yeah, have a have a good evening. Have a great game uh, this week, and good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, Austin. Take care. Uh, Union defender Austin Trusty, he of the late game heroics to seal those three points on yeah. the road against Minnesota against the Loons. Yes, um, we we talked about this for a second before we started recording too, and it's just like looking at the two goals from the the Union center backs this season. Not not clunky headed corner kick yeah. goals but great first touches and better second touches to to score really big goals they're uh jack you know let's throw all three of them in the mix jack mark and austin they're all three really good athletes they're not yeah. just wide bodies you stick stick back there in front of the goal i mean they're you know they they, they can play with their feet they can all all three of them can pass uh you know ellie's got that really good ability to kind of drop dimes like really hit hit the long yeah. aerial pass you know, Austin could carry the ball real well. Mark's a physical guy. Mark's a physical athlete. Um, so all three of those young center backs that they have are, you know, they're they're just athletes. They're they're really good. I think Austin's probably just pure athletically the, the best athlete on the team. Just, yeah, just, he might just be. look just look like his ability and just kind of his just the way he effortlessly moves around the field and you know just has that real athletic quality about him. Um, so. Yeah, no, I, I agree, um, and it's 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 been great to see those guys score goals the the way they did. Oh, absolutely. Um, to go back to Austin's goal from from Sunday, though, I mean, what a time to get that one. Uh, yeah. You know, I I think watching that game, you could you could feel that that Minnesota equalizer coming. Um, they mm-hmm. they had a span of fifteen minutes where it just it felt like it was one way traffic. Um, Jim tried to make the two subs and get uh, Warren and uh, Marco on, mm-hmm. and it, and they, they, they couldn't get the midfield under control. And I think that's one of the only times this season, even in some of the other losses, that we've seen the Union's midfield really struggle to keep up with the uh, the opposition. You know, I thought Jamiro Montero had one of his uh, his roughest outings uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't seem like Harris could get on the ball in the places that he's usually able to. 
Um, so for for Austin to to poke in with that goal off the the set piece at the end, yeah. what what a huge yeah, huge and, goal. and kind of in the moment you'd really appreciate it. But watching the replay of that, he had, he had to make, really make a really nice run to get yeah. into the box and just kind of anticipating the play and just kind of ran and met the ball right at the right spot and yeah. to get and then just you know after making that run, just have the wherewithal to have the, the touch to get the ball into the net. Yeah. No, it was impressive. Um, you know, and what what a time to get it to. I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, I, I think for for me, it felt more likely that Minnesota might go on and 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 nick another one. And you know, I was thinking from you know about the the eighty fourth minute or, or the eightieth minute whenever Minnesota scored their, their mm-hmm. second. I was like, oh, they should just get out of here with the draw and be content with it. So what a, what a huge three points, especially after dropping all those points at home. Yeah, it, it takes this thing out a little bit because that's you know. Three points you might not have banked on. Yeah, because Minnesota has played very well at home. Yeah, uh, that was their first loss in yeah. Arizona. And of those, let's talk about those three previous home games. Of the three, for me, the most frustrating one was Colorado. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I think Seattle and it was, it was a it was a rough outing, but it was it was like one of the one of those days where it felt like the the goal just wasn't going to come no matter yeah. how long they played. Um, Portland came in with a really good game plan. Colorado, it felt like that that should have been a game of the Union yeah. won. I know, I know they're getting the new manager bounce and they're playing playing better and all that, but it's you know statistically the worst team in the league coming into your home. You, you know you you should do better. I mean, and I th- I think we get you know we put a gun to Kurt, Jim Curtin's head. He'll tell you absolutely we had to do better. Yeah, no, <laughs> and he was very open about that. You know, yeah. right in the press conference after the game. Um, I th- I think the, the the frustrating thing about that game is it, it felt a little bit like the Union of old, where at home against yeah. an inferior opponent, you're up one nil, you can't find the second goal, right. and then they you, find the equalizer. You can't put them away. Yeah, yeah. and it, that 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 was a frustrating thing. I mean, and interesting. I, I think Steve Goff, uh, the the really you know the longtime soccer writer for yes. the Washington Post, put out a tweet about just the disparity this year between the East and the West. And I don't think, I think going into last week, I think the East is, oh, like 12 and something. Yeah. So it, it, that's, that's that, as far as the Seattle and the Portland game, that's, that gives you a little bit of context of, you know, it wasn't just the Union. The whole East is struggling playing against the West, no matter home or away, it looks like. But but the Colorado game is, I mean, it's three points you kind of need it. And, but... Again, if you say okay, you're gonna get four points out of Minnesota and Colorado, and you're like, yeah, sure, that that works, and they yeah. did. It just didn't not, not the to, way that you drew it up. Yeah, not the way you wanted it. I mean, I mean, that's the crazy thing, though. I think you know, it's it's unfortunate that that they dropped the points to to Seattle, Portland, Colorado because they they had a chance to to expand their their lead at the top of the Eastern Conference, and now you can see they're they're getting reeled back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlanta's making a jump. The Red Bulls have made a jump. Yeah. Um, DC has has been right there all season. Um, Montreal is up there somehow. I don't know how. I've watched Montreal a couple times. I think yeah, they're they don't, a terrible they're, team, yeah, they're especially not, without Piatti. But, yeah, they're not. But they're kinda, floating around towards the top of the conference. So they're not the Montreal of old. I mean, they're not a real strong. Yeah, I don't know. But they're, but like I said, they're kind of hanging around there, and Atlanta's getting better as you thought they would. Yeah. Um, you know, but I I think. You know, and I tweeted this from the Philly Soccer Page account um, after the the Colorado draw is, you know, going into Minnesota, they get the result in Minnesota, they're back on the top of the Eastern Conference. Yeah. If if you would have told Union fans that you'd be going into June against the, the matchup with the Red Bulls on top of the conference, they'd have taken it. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And, 
Yeah, this is um, it's going to be a big game coming up Saturday. Yeah, I'm 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 hoping that it is. And you know, I think uh, we've been there before when the the stadiums really got rocking when Red Bulls is in town. Yeah, um, there's, yeah I mean, you know, tra- seven thirty kickoff. The the Red Bulls fans will probably travel yeah, down for it. So it'll be a, a good always. atmosphere. Um, so I th- that has a chance to be a, an excellent soccer game. I'm really fascinated to see how the Red Bulls play against the Union. Mm-hmm. And like we we talked to Austin just now, and see if they're going to press a little higher. See if they're going to sit in a little deeper like we've yeah. seen some of the other teams be successful yeah. in Talon. I think you touched on it. I think I might you know, text you about this that it might be it's might be for at least a short period of time a little easier for the union on the road because teams are just coming in here and lining up nine behind the ball. Yeah. And you know, you, you go on the road against a team, they're gonna have, you know, they're gonna play more a team's gonna play more open at home. Yeah. So you have the opportunity to get into space. Yeah, again, at least in the short term, but teams, uh, there's a lot of tape on the Union. I mean, Curtin said it. No, they're not sneaking up on anybody anymore. And, and what we've seen is the ability of the Union to get in space and really attack, attack in space and numbers. So now, you know, the counterpoint to that is, okay, we'll take away their space. And that's what teams are doing right now at home, at Talon at least. I'm going to be really interested to see how that plays out with, with teams sitting in and if the union is going to be able to uh, maybe concede a little bit more possession mm-hmm. in the way that uh, they can um, do do more on the counterattack and yeah. let teams have the ball a little bit and maybe slink back and put seven or eight guys yeah, behind the they, ball themselves. They, they got the horses to run, though, now. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've said before, for a big guy, Casper can run in the open yeah. field. And, and, and as a good passer of the ball. And as a really good passer of the ball, and you have... Uh, Montero that could kind of run mm-hmm. run out deep, and you have you have Aronson who's who's a decent runner, and you have got and Bedoya runs all day, so you've yeah. got you've guys that could you know run on a counter and get into you know kind of exploit space that way. So yeah, it it, it, it that could be a way to count, uh, the counterman that uh, this bunkering thing you're seeing all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, and the other way to to uh, we keep using counter. This is a complicated <laughs> term to use in this 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 this. This world. The counter, the counter, yeah. counter. Uh, I mean, the, the the piece that's been missing for a lot of the season is Marco Fabian, yeah. and I think you know having a guy like that, and you're in the the top of the midfield um, and on the ball a lot in a in a situation where a team is bunkering, he he gives you that little bit of creativity in tight spaces and and, and an ability to pull out passes that that maybe not too many other people on the team are going to pull out besides maybe Elsino. Interesting, you should bring him up because that's definitely. Bit of conversation. I think we should start. We should have tonight oh. about Marco Fabian. Um, I thought we were just going to pretend it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what do we think now? He he got into the Minnesota game. I thought looked the best he's had since he's kind of come back from that. He was able. He, he looked like he was involved in the play. Kind of knocked a few balls around. Didn't. I mean, wasn't didn't do anything exceptional, but looked comfortable. Yeah. You know, I think, and we we've seen him. What off the bench the last two matches, yeah. and I, I thought you know when he is on the field and he can get on the ball, he can pick out the pass that some other yeah. some of the other guys don't pick out, um, and and has that that little spark of creativity. But the the injuries have been worrying, and yeah. and it, and, it, and it's reoccurring. And the latest is now he went to Mexico to ostensibly be part of our Gold Cup roster and was sent right home because he's not fit. He's yeah. not he's not ready to go. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I don't know how much to read into that. I, I can't yeah. say that I'm 
intimately familiar with the the Mexican group that they brought in for the Gold Cup and and what they have available to them in that position. I mean, he's been a, he was a guy that was out of favor in in Germany before he came back to the Philadelphia Union. So it's yeah. not a guy that has a lot of game time over the last year. No, he he, he hasn't, and you know he's picked up injuries and the thing was back issues that he had had yeah. in Germany. He, he just hasn't gotten into that flow. I think you know the fans want to see and the team wants to see and. You're starting to get to the point where you're going to need them. Yeah, I mean they, they've we've lauded how well they've done without their yeah. big signing and how Aronson's deputized well and Montero's kind of picked up some of that slack and stuff like that. But you're kind of reaching, I think, the maximum on on all of that where you need you're going in this you know you're building your attack kind of around having that piece, having that that dynamic player. You know, sitting behind the two strikers. Yeah, and I think you know, I think it's it's been lacking for the the last couple of games. If you want to yeah. go back to that home stretch, you know, I think we've all been impressed with the the play of Brendan Aronson. I think he's extremely technical. I think he he drives forward just as well as anybody on the team. But he has looked like a man, a boy amongst men, a couple of times, and and not gotten some of the foul yeah. calls maybe he was looking for. Yeah. Um. And you know. Marco's brought in to to be this mm-hmm. the starter in this role, and I think he's what started three games this season. About that, yeah. Um, so I think it's 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 a problem. Yeah, and Aronson, he, he you know he's an eighteen year old rookie. He's not going to get the calls. He's getting lumps kicked out of him. Yeah. He you know I think he's starting to learn, you know the the physical aspect of the of MLS and playing like like you said with twenty five thirty year old defenders and center center midfielders chasing him around and, yeah. and knocking him down. And, you know, I, I, I still think he's a great player. I still think he has his ceiling as, as, high, as high as anybody on that team yeah. in that position right now. And, and But you need, you know, what, what, what he has is an ability. He, 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 he lacks in guile. And that's why you got Marco Fabian because he's a guy – Who's got the ability and has the guile of a guy that's been, you know, in the in league MX, you know, in Concacaf competitions, in the Bundesliga, who has that just that repertoire, yeah, and that knowledge, and and you know, and and you really you really you're starting to see how you really need that, yeah. No, it, it's it's going to be tough, you know. I, I think it's it, I'm interested to see what Marco's available availability is for the the game yeah. on Saturday and then then you have I mean you have open cup but then you have essentially two weeks off right. for the gold cup break which I think is is a good time for mm-hmm. him and and hopefully that gives him a chance to get his injuries sorted out and also get his fitness sorted out so that you know coming back in, in July that he's a guy that can start and go 90 minutes right that central yeah, I mean they, they really they really need to have that locked down I mean because yeah. like I say you've kind of built your your concept around him, this this diamond concept that you have, is built around that player, that type of that that type of player, that guy that can sit behind the, the strikers. Um, speaking of strikers, they're head thin all of a sudden. It feels like, doesn't yeah, doesn't it? it? <laughs> um, <laughs> going when you're going into the season with seven, and now you know, and uh, uh, Fafa picked up the knock, so he wasn't he wasn't in the eighteen. Yeah, it seems like that's sorted out. He he was practicing yeah. with the team today, um, and looks like he'll be available for selection on Saturday. Um, 
I thought Sergio Santos probably had his best game of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, he scored the two goals against New England earlier, but um, I think you get to see a little bit of his speed on display yeah. in Minnesota. Um, and the, the, the breakaway speed on the, the play where he had the breakaway, I mean, mm-hmm. unfortunately, he doesn't finish it. But man, uh, yeah. that, that was the turbo button on FIFA, yeah? No, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where he, he was able to get it basically off the, basically when it was 80 yards, yeah. approximately. I think I think it's a comfort issue with him. I think he's getting a little more comfortable with the guys around them. And also, that was a game that he could finally get into. I think he's a player that you want to see making runs behind. You want to see a guy running 20, 30 yards mm-hmm. off the ball. You know, against Portland, against Colorado, where he, he's, you know, kind of just floating around on the the yeah. top of the box, making four, five-yard runs all the time. It's it's but, I, It doesn't seem like it suits his game, or he hasn't sorted out how to... To make it suit his game mm-hmm. with this group, right? Because he ha- he has that that just like you said, breakaway speed where he could come from deep and get defenses off defenses off balance, where he could you know get a good knockdown from Casper or, or get maybe a good through ball from you know Aronson or, or Harris, where he could just run onto it from deep and create from that way. But it looks like he's a guy to get his own shot to. It looks like he's a guy that can yeah, I think so. get, get you know he has good enough feet that he could kind of make a move and get his own shot. Uh, so we're going to talk about the other striker. I think it's been interesting to see the emergence of Casper Shabilko. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's been some really good things. I think he scored some really good goals. Mm-hmm. I thought he had a really great assist to, to Jamiro Montero against Toronto. No, that was great. Was um, but we've we've also seen him miss some chances yeah. that, you know, I think would have been really huge uh, uh, goals if, if he could have taken them. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, goal scorers are a streaky yeah. breed to begin with. So we may be seeing a... a Ebb right now and yeah. that and he could be a guy that next one he knocks knocks in could open a flood and he gets like seven and ten games or something yeah. something ridiculous like yeah, that. I think everybody where, would take that. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you know, we we spent years of watching that Willow too, where who where you know mm-hmm. he'd go a few games without a goal and then knock one in and it'd be he'd be off to the races and scoring again. Um, but he gives you other things. He, he, he does. Yeah. He definitely. He definitely does. You know. You know. You think Jim always talked about the way that CJ Sapong does uh, a lot of the dirty work up top, and I think Casper does a lot of that too. I think mm-hmm. he's he's a really good presser of the ball, and he's, yeah. he's faster than you'd think he is. But I think he, the thing that he brings to it that I, I don't think that CJ ever did was the, the play with his feet. Yeah, uh, the much, ability much to bring people into the, the game and, and hold the ball up a little bit more. Yeah, um, he's a terrific much, passer. Much, be- much better player with his feet than CJ was, and yeah. and. Not able to, not, yeah, like I said, not only to carry the ball, but able to just pick guys out and, and just have that good soccer IQ to read what his teammates are doing and be, be able to make a really good pass. And uh, that that's great. He need, But, you know, we, you just need that sharpness in front of goal again. And he he's not the only one. I mean. Yeah, Fafa only has a goal in the season. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that this formation generally favors the way that, that Fafa would score most of his goals, which would be on the counterattack yeah, coming from the wing. I mean, yeah, you look at what it, how he scored last year, and so much of it was created, like except from his speed. Yeah. Not necessarily from his cold-bloodedness in, in front of goal, from just his speed and the ability to jump on a ball and be able to, the ability to kind of blow by a defender and not be like really a crafty guy in front of net, I think. And, I mean, you talk about a guy that you want to see running from deep. He's the guy you, you want to see do that because we saw it all last year, more yeah. more from a wide position, but he's a guy that can make a really deep run and get into the box and just, yeah, no, nobody could keep up with him in this league. 
Yeah, no, I, th- I think it, it, I agree. Uh, you know, I think the 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 two striker set and particularly playing against teams that are sitting deeper does not favor the way that Fafa plays. Um, And it's going to be interesting, you know, just in the way that we talked about Sergio Santos is the the way he adopts his game to to how that's happening. Yeah, and, you know, they moved on from David Akam for the same reason, that David Akam's more comfortable as a wide player and that suited his game. He's not, he can play striker, he's not really a striker. That's not, you know, his strength. I I, I think uh, for economic reasons, it made more sense to keep Fafa over over Akam. You know, for salary reasons and the ability to get, get a good transfer for him and all that. Um, and I'm not, I'm not knocking Fafa. I think no. he's, he's a very good player. It, it's just it, it, they got to figure out how to use him. Yeah, and I think he needs to, to sort it out a little bit himself. Yeah. How to how to get himself a, a little bit more involved in some of these games. Um, Let me. Can I ask you a Fafa code question that I've seen floated a couple of places? Certainly. You think he could play right back? Yeah, I just had that flash. Actually, a yeah. thought. And it's been mentioned in the comments on the Philly soccer page a couple times. Um, he could, yeah, because I mean, it's a guy that we've always lauded for defensive work rate. Right, he's he, pre- he did, did did that very well on the, yeah, on the wing last season. And it, and it's one, but you get in this position. Okay, he's a good defender for a winger, but does that make him yeah, a good defender right. for a right back? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the answer to that question is. Well, uh, when you're playing Colorado, when you're playing Seattle, oh yeah, when you, you, when you could have Kai Wagner and Fafa bombing up, yeah, on the just, on the flanks, I'm just throwing and, things out and here. This system, that's where all your width is supposed to come from, anyway. Yeah, is that the craziest thing I've heard? Um, you know, do you wait? I've certainly said crazier things on this oh, podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, do you wait a deficit? I mean, you flip flip it around, you have. The solid defender Ray Gaddis, who I think had a kind of a rough game against Minnesota, but the the defender, the solid defender Ray Gaddis, but you're giving away the offense, so you're flipping it around. The offensive minded, you know, speedster Fafa, where you're getting a lot of offense, but you're you're compromised defensively, and it's kind of how much do guys around him have to adjust? Like how how, how does that change Bedoya's game? How would that change Jack Elliott's game? Yeah. How would that change Harris's game where they might have to cover his runs a little more? It's uh, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, and it, was, it was something to think about. And just, but, but you would get that, that back from him where he can make deep runs from deep and blow by teams. And like you said, against, against Colorado, who's not going to do anything offensively really or against the, you know, uh, uh, New England, if when you get, you know, it's just not that impressive right now, or teams like that. Yeah, you, 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 crazier things could happen. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see, but it would give you balance at least, where you don't have that balance right now between Kai and Ray, where where you're a little lopsided because Kai's so good at getting forward. He's really good at getting back when he has it, but he's so good at getting forward. Well, and I think the other thing you saw a little bit too, you know, particularly uh, if you go back to the, the Colorado game or the Seattle game when El Sino came into the game, is that teams are double, triple teaming El Sino and letting Ray Gattis cross the ball, letting Ray Gattis get into the, the, yeah. the final third and not worrying about him too much. Yeah. Um, I thought he, he almost scored twice against Colorado, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I, I mean, maybe we're, we're being a little too presumptuous, but. Um, he has zero career goals, though, doesn't yeah, he? Well, yeah, it's a... <laughs> We're all waiting for it, though, right? 
<laughs> so, so if Frank Addis scores, did they waive the rule no cheering in the press box? Yes, because we're all going to cheer in the press box. <laughs> Frank Addis is an infinitely likable guy. Yeah. I th- you know, I think he's been a terrific servant of the club for a very long time. Um, he, he, he's not a guy that you dislike. He's, he's a guy that I think some people, are, and also included, have been critical of certain parts of yeah. his skill set. I hope he scores a goal. Oh, I hope absolutely. he gets an, an MLS career goal. I agree with that, Pete. I mean, it would, it would bring down the house. It would. I mean, it would just, you know. I think so. I mean, he would just get probably one of the loudest cheers you've ever heard at Talon. Yeah. No, and there would be a cheer from the press box. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Especially for Matt DeGeorge. Matt, Matt DeGeorge has been waiting for a Ray Gattis goal. Yeah, I worry about Matt's health if there, he might have a you know, coronary when it when it finally happens. I can only imagine that it's going to happen on like one of the one of the two weeks that Matt takes off. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it it's an interesting thought. So I'll have to think about that some more. <laughs> um, so we got Red Bulls coming up. Yeah, uh, different. Should be a good one. Of, what's that? Should be a good one. Yeah, it's always a good one. Red Bulls. Um, you know the whole is this a rivalry? Is this not a rivalry? Meh. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Did you see the the video that the union put out with the the car? <laughs> it's the, I, I've, I thought about tweeting about this and then I didn't. It's well done. The union's video team is is yeah, very talented. They're, uh, they're, and it, it, it's a fun concept. Yeah, and you got I, that Ed Bassmaster guy involved. who's yeah. kind of a wacky dude. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I think well done. Is Union Red Bull a rivalry? No, it's not. They haven't played enough important games I, against I, each other I, for I, it to be a rivalry. Of course, the geographic thing will always yeah. make it a New bigger York Philly game. Philly is always a thing. I yeah. mean, no matter what. Um, but they've never met in the playoffs. I mean, I, they, I, they've had a couple of open cup matches. Yeah. You know, I think especially if you want to go back to that that game at Red Bull that the Union made them play at four o'clock yeah, in the yeah, afternoon. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, that so I think there's, a there's a little little things like that. I've said this before, and I'll I'll, I'll say it, and I, I got into it, not into it, but I got. Tweeted Kevin Kincaid about this that um, the closest they ever got to having a rival was sporting. Yeah, because you I had, agree. You had the really tough cup games. Mm-hmm. We'd go there and win in their patch. They'd come here. They'd win here. Yeah, they won you the know, open cup. Yeah, on the field here. Won the open cup on the field here. They won a semifinal here. In yeah, a pretty contentious. Game. Yeah, so it gives you know there were important games that these teams had, yeah. and not only important, but you could see. The tension on the field. You could see, like, we don't like them, they don't like us. That kind of, you know, that kind of enmity, you know, yeah. that, you, that you see in rivalries and in, in, in any sport. And, and, and it's not quite there with the Red Bulls. It's closer with DC, but that, that kind of dissipated. It was the, you know, the Michael Farfan, Perry Kitchen yeah. battles. Yeah. That, and then there was like guys that were on DC that came to Union and vice versa, so that kind of made it. But that kind of and and DC was Union weren't very good and DC was terrible, and now DC's good. Union good, so maybe it, it sparks up again if they're kind of going one well, two think, for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think uh, you know DC and, and New York coming here and the games against them and their and their places will be will be interesting because that seems to be they're going to be teams that are just floating towards the top of the Eastern Conference. Right. So there'll be bigger games than they have been in the past. You know, some, if you go back a couple of seasons to some of those those DC Union matchups where you're eight, nine, ten in the the standings, right? It's like who cares? I mean, how much of a rivalry <laughs> can you create when the teams are both poor? Right. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, that, that's that's what makes rivalries. It's important games. It's like, yeah, you know, that's all. I always said, like, 
you know, flipping to another sport, the Knicks and the Sixers never had a rivalry because they were never good at the same time. Yeah. Or they never really had playoff real, you know, it was always Knicks, you know, it was always Celtic, you know, Bulls, Knicks, and, you know, Celtics and Sixers. It was, so there was always more, but just because they were kind of, that balance was never there. Yeah. You know? you know, I think if you get a, if you get a playoff matchup too, where you get Union Red Bulls, Union mm-hmm. DC, that'll be fun. That'll feel like a rivalry. Regular right. season games, it's difficult. It is a little difficult. All right, we're going to switch switch it up a little bit here, folks. You might have heard a little noise in the background, but uh, my a colleague— noise in the background. That's what we call him. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> my, co- my colleague, Matt Leon, is joining us. What's here. up, yo? <laughs> I'm Matt. Hello. Sp- Welcome. Sports Good to be here. Sports anchor. You hear him at 8 and 38 every hour uh, here at KYW News Radio, giving you sports updates. And— uh, Matt came in because he, uh, he's got a new podcast. Tell, tell people what your podcast is. called One-on-One with Matt Leon, and it's a pretty simple concept. It's a one-on-one long-form conversation. And uh, you talk, talk to a guy that we like talking to a lot, uh, that Jim Curtin. Yeah, he was uh, the episode that came out last week. Uh, it was great. Yeah, it yeah. was really, it was, it was really good. a lot. Thank you. But I mean, just to do it, like it was a lot of fun to talk to him. He yeah. was, he was engaged. He was into it. Yeah. Uh, it was just, uh, I think, I don't want to say this like Jim's bad at the podium because he's not, but this was a completely different Jim Curtin than mm-hmm. you hear, you know, Wednesdays or post games and stuff or stuff like that. Uh, it was it was a really fun conversation, and I think if you're a Union fan, you would enjoy listening to this just because you kind of get a different side of them. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's a, a huge part of it, and one of the things that I really enjoyed about it, you know, I. I when Jim was in the league, I was a little younger. I wasn't following MLS as much as I do now. Um, and I, I've had the, the pleasure of sitting with him a couple of times where he's talked about some of his time in the league. And, and, and to hear some of those stories again and then to hear some of the stories about him growing up around around here and his, his kind of soccer history, I thought was it was really fascinating. I loved the story when he talked about how he found out he got drafted. He's like, I was in a finance class at Villanova <laughs> at Bartley Hall. And Bob Bradley calls and says, hey, we took you and." We suggest you come down now if you want to make the team, and he just kind of, all right, he got up and walked <laughs> out. Like you know that uh, that was really interesting, but uh, you know, and just I thought the he talked about when he got the job, you know, mm-hmm. when they let John Hackworth go and the difficult because he was close with Hackworth. He mm-hmm. thought Hackworth was doing good work, and you know, and it's kind of one of those you got to weigh that, but also opportunities like this don't come along very often, let alone in. Your hometown, so I, it was it was interesting. What what uh, what was the big surprise you took away from talking to Jim? I just I it was the first time I had ever spoken to him. I had asked a couple questions at press conferences, but I had never really had a chance. And he was just so engaging, so yeah. loose, and so willing to talk about. You know, I, yeah. I thought one of the if you're going to say surprise, I thought it was. I don't even want to say surprising. I thought it was it was refreshingly candid when he talked about when he first took over as an interim, and he said, "You know, I know I'm supposed to lie and say it was the perfect." He's like, "I wasn't ready. I'm, I admit that." I just thought you don't hear many people mm-hmm. in positions like that ever admit that. I, I think that's one of the the best things about having to having the uh, or getting the ability to talk to Jim after every game is that he brings a candidness yeah. To, yeah. to just about everything. I mean, even Wednesdays and and, and after matches that. You get very little of that from other coaches, and I I, I always find it really refreshing. Yeah, yeah he, he'll you know if he gets the right question, he'll go he'll go and he'll kind of give you a good explanation of like some. I remember him giving a, a long explanation about center back play. 
in a press conference one time, just kind of was apropos of nothing, but he got into kind of nuts and bolts. Okay, this guy said here, you stand here, that you react here, and and it was interesting. I think um, you know it's Philly, and you're going to hear this. You still hear smattering of booze every once in a while <laughs> in town me. for, but it's amazing. you know he's he's the guy, and I I think it's less so this season, but when they were going through some tougher stretches, you felt like there's really nobody on the team that's kind of wearing the shirt for the for the city, you know? Mm-hmm. But Jim's kind of that guy. Yeah. He, he kind of, he wears the he wears the crest for the city. And I think when he talked about, like, going to Wawa and people, <laughs> and, yeah. but in a good way, like, yeah, saying, yeah. hey, great win last night, or, you know, talking to him about when things were, were going tough for him. And I think he, you, he genuinely appreciates that, and he genuinely yeah. loves having that kind of connection to this area. So uh, it was a lot of fun, and I, I think... You don't have to be a hardcore union fan, yeah. I think, to appreciate the conversation. Yeah. Like if you if you're just a casual or whatever, I think you'll really enjoy just kind of listening to him tell his story. And like you said, you'll kind of see that there is quite a bond there with yeah. with this area that's important, and you don't see a lot, you know, because I think he talked about, you know, yeah, he'd love maybe one day Europe or something, but he'll never have a job no. like this. Yeah. You know, it, it, it'll never have this type of opportunity doing it basically, you know, at home in his backyard. So. Yeah. yeah, and it's great to see he's, you know, finally getting rewarded for it on the field yeah. and in the standings where they're, uh, you know, he's, he's it's almost like what went down with Brett Brown. Like, you know, he it, it's different with the Sixers because it was more by design, where right. with the Union, very few things are by design. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he just went through those lean years and kind of – survived it and now they're you know he's in a good position with the team now yeah and uh, they're in a like you said in a good position i think that was a huge three points they just picked up i'm sure you guys talked about it earlier (laughs) before i came in but you know because you had the loss to seattle all right portland Portland, Portland, i'm sorry uh the loss to portland all right (laughs) tie at home against colorado Mm -hmm. you know and some people you start to get the Mm -hmm. alarm bells this Pushes that yep. all aside, yeah. you know, because I think if you, if I said to both of you guys, I think I said this to you earlier, Greg, you know, four points out of I, Greg, Colorado just, just, yeah, and, yep. I stole that from and, and Minnesota, <laughs> you'd be like, all right, yeah, absolutely, where I signed. Yeah. It just, yeah, it reversed how they got it. So yeah. for a guy that you know, you've covered the team, but not kind of in depth as you know Mike does or some of the other guys that follow the union, but you know, and they're in such a different position now. What what, what stands out? From you, for you, from what kind of from your kind of little broader perspective, you might have. I think they're they are getting gut check points that they didn't get years ago, like the Minnesota. Those were those were gut check points. Yeah, you know, Toronto on the road. Yeah, yeah. Even even New England at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we talked so long, and this is probably I would say twenty ten to twenty fourteen fifteen ish. That there just seemed to be no team that was more capable of turning three points into one or one point into none with a late <laughs> breakdown or a, yeah. you know this year now you're seeing them find a way to 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 dig deep and and gut things out and find a way to make that one extra play mm-hmm. that turns zero into one one into three and the difference is you're near the top of the table as opposed to. You know, trying to convince yourself you're in striking distance for the playoffs because of you still have three games in hand and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but you haven't beaten anybody in two months. Like it's right. You know, it's a completely different dynamic. I think he Jim deserves a, a lot of credit for that. 
Yeah, and I think you're seeing, you know, just we've talked about this a lot, that the the restrictions he had under Ernie Stewart, tactically and formation-wise, we have to play this formation because it's the formation we're going to play up and down this up and down the program where, you know, Ernst Tanner comes in and says, you know, we got to win. And you're seeing, you know, you're, I think you're really seeing Jim Curtin maybe for the first time coach with all his – you know, with, with all his options in front of him, and you know they stumbled out of the gate, but once they write it that, he you know, and it helps. He's got the players. He's got some. It's probably one of the best union squads they've had. That helps immensely. Helps any coach. But you're you're really seeing kind of what Jim Curtin can do when he has every option available to him. And I also think, in kind of a broader sense, coaching some of those teams that weren't as talented, but also maybe weren't constructed as well and still having some modicum of success. You know, he's gotten right. playoffs. I know haven't had the post, but that has helped him. Like you say, now that you've got the, the, the full, all the options on the table, the way he coached with limited options mm-hmm. probably helped him grow as a yeah. coach oh, for to sure. this point now that – you know, now that the whole the the everything is full in front of you, you can really deploy all your weapons. And I don't mean that from a personnel standpoint, but in how you want to yeah. do it. I th- while we're we're talking about the the broader perspective, you're obviously a guy that, that covers Philadelphia sports as a whole. One of the things I think we always talked about on this podcast, and it's kind of been floating through Philadelphia Union history, is that. The union missed a chance when the other teams in the, the city were not performing that well. You know, this is before the Eagles won the Super Bowl. You know, the, the, the Phillies were not a good team for a while. The Flyers still haven't sorted it out. The Sixers were in the process. We're in a different landscape now. The the, the Phillies have the best free agent in baseball and are, are, are playing much better. The Sixers are in, 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 the, in the playoffs. Uh, the Eagles have won the Super Bowl. Where is the union in the, the sports landscape? Yeah, I, Greg and I... A couple of years ago, I had a weekly talk about this. You talked that that I think it was 2013. About then, that yeah, the window was so wide open yeah. for them to jump through and just grab because, like you say, the Phillies weren't just bad then; they were like proactively making the fan base angry with their decisions <laughs> and and sound bites and stuff like that. You know, the the Eagles were. Eagles have really been terrible, but, but it's kind of the tail end of the chip stuff, mm-hmm, and you yeah. know, and. Like you said, the Sixers, people knew the direct. But anyway, to your larger point, I think it's tough because, like, the Phillies aren't just, like, good, but they're relevant in a national Mm -hmm. sense with Bryce Harper and stuff. They are a team that gets mentioned, you know, in sportscasts across the country. So so then you got that in Philadelphia. Now, the Eagles, you know, it's 12 months a year, but throw on top of that that they're a – a Super Bowl champion, you know, one, one year removed. And I think one of the ten, on paper right now, one of the 10 teams you would look at and say, legitimate yeah. chance. Mm-hmm. You know, 76 or same thing. They've got decisions to make, but you look at them going into the next year. In the NBA, it's probably even more than the NF, than any other sport. It's probably only about eight teams that have a yeah. legitimate mm-hmm. chance where things don't have to go extraordinarily well for them to. They're one of those teams. So that's what you're up against to get to your. To your point, yeah. Um, I mean, s- success will bring mm-hmm. people in, uh, and I think if they continue this, you know, they will they will force discussions. You know, they will kind of elbow their where you have to yeah. talk more about them. But I think you know, 
that also comes if they can get to the playoffs and make noise in mm-hmm. the playoffs, you know, where because that's where a lot of people will parachute in and all of a sudden, you know, really, really be into it. I think it's it is a climb that the previous five, six years, you know, or most of that time has made harder. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I think they're making progress. But, it, you know, we can talk. It comes down to to having sustained success, and I think postseason. Yeah, success. exactly. I think the postseason is the thing. There's nothing Matt and I, you and I, have talked about, Matt. That those playoff years never really felt like playoff years because a lot of times it was them either scraping into the position. I mean, the one year, or, yeah. the Jim's first year, they got in the playoffs. It, I mean, that was the year they didn't win. Like after, yeah, they like win July, two months, yeah. Like yeah. If, so. They were in, but to the casual, wait a minute. What they, <laughs> I feel like I just heard that they had, you know, they hadn't won in eight games, right? And they, they, the they kind of they had they needed a lot of help to get in. Right. And the same thing with the, you know, two years after that, where it was, you know, they were in, but yeah, and that was and that was last year. Yeah, they were flirting with they could be third, they could get a bye, and it just kind of slipped away from them at the end, and it ended up, you know, they were one and done again and couldn't get it. I mean, I think if they. And like you said, you know, if they make noise in the in the postseason, you almost can't ignore them at that point, right? Because, and that because that's when you start to really make you you have moments that start to brand you as a franchise, mm-hmm. and it's in the playoffs. I mean, you know, the win in, in Minnesota is not important and stuff like that, but it, it's not something that's going to big picture be a you know right. a point where that doesn't go on the highlight, right? right. You know, right. It, it's you know when you think of. Most of the things you think about, like the Phillies, the last, you know, it's Matt Stairs. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's Halliday's no hitter in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, the Eagles, it's the Philly special, all postseason right. yeah. things. And once you, you, you've got to get to that point and you've got to have success, you start having moments that fans can kind of never forget mm-hmm. and understand where, and they yeah, don't absolutely. really have that. You know, because I think what they've done, and one of the things we talk about all the time, not so much now, but you go back four or five years ago, is I would ask, Greg almost kind of who's the face of the franchise? Yeah, and it was Sebastian too. But they would have young guys, and young guys would get to a certain point, and then they would get chased off or whatever happened. But there was like four or five guys like that where, and there was not a, a face. And I think part of that starts to come with you know you have talent, you have guys that are going to be here. Now you need postseason success mm-hmm. to really kind of ingrain them in the memories. Of fans who can you know start to talk about you right. know that one way they scored in the in stoppage time to to win in the knockout round like yeah, right, exactly you know mm-hmm. yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. that that's the that's the next step and what they're doing now though is they're putting themselves in a position to have a, a much stronger opportunity yeah. to create those moments where you know it's early June a lot of stuff but they look like they are going to be a difficult out. For the in the Eastern Conference, yeah. This yeah. I mean, season. you're, you're I so. seeing. I mean, we talked about it earlier. You're seeing what teams do against them at home now. Where about at the twenty twenty five minute mark, they're like, okay, we didn't score. We're just putting ten guys behind yeah. the ball now, and you know that's respect. And you know it's creating problems for them. They got to figure it out. But you know, th- not a lot of teams would do that against them. And I think people realize that they have the talent. They have kind of the the. You know, kind of, kind of, some of the intangibles now. You're forcing your will onto other exactly. teams. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And which, that, which is th- that is a step when you've arrived is when teams start altering what they do 
to yeah. counteract which is, what which you is, do. Which is something Jim's preached for three, four years, mm-hmm. but has never had, again, the wherewithal to do it. And you're seeing it a lot more, where you are dictating, even before the ball's kicked, mm-hmm. where teams will line up and, and are lining up defensively against you just because they know what you have. Where before teams, uh, you know, <laughs> this team was almost a speed bump to some teams a few years ago. Yeah, yeah a few, I mean, a few years ago, the, the Union were just one of the, you know, kind of faceless teams in MLS that, yeah. you know, there's about eight to ten of them that, you know, you just kind of interact, don't really have a personality. Yeah. That's not the, the case anymore. No, they are not. They are they are good by any stretch mm-hmm. of things. And, you know, it's going to be fun. And I just you just hope that they can really cash in on this because this would uh, – having a – and I'm not even saying winning the Cup. I mean, that'd be great. Just, and, but to – to be a legitimate contender and to have some success, mm-hmm. it would take it'd be a quantum leap for the franchise. Oh, just, just getting the first playoff win is going to be the monkey off the back yeah. to an extent. I mean, just certainly that there's like looking at where the team is right now in June, you, you'd have bigger aspirations than just getting that win. But that win is going to feel huge. That, oh, it's going to feel enormous because it, it, it's something that you know I think along with the uh, the, the Cup final stuff, a right. thing that hangs on this franchise and yeah. hangs on Jim, and to get that. Okay, that's one less thing. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of that's an anchor around yeah. this team's neck. And once you clear something like that out, yeah. it really can open things mm-hmm. up to yeah. where it's not a thing anymore, mm-hmm. and guys can just play. Right? Yeah, yeah, because it's not because you've seen it, Matt. You've seen it in a ton of games, a ton of sports where going into a playoff game or going into a situation like that, that's the first question. You know, you haven't won a playoff game. What's, what's it feel like going into this? And is, th- that's the talking Andy point Reed forever. in the in the NFC <laughs> Championship game. I mean, yeah. that, yeah. you know, like where you – couple of those games, you get about halfway through the sec. well, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah, and, you're right. You know, it's – but you can feel it. You, you teams get it. And I don't want to put – the union aren't on, on that where that type of pressure – but. Right. You know, that's the the big the step context is, is similar. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's where, like you don't because we you know, don't have that. If they bust through and can, yeah. you know, regardless yeah. of the opponent, regardless of the site, when I just think, you yeah. know, because you don't have to answer that question anymore. Yeah, and it's gone. Yeah. All right, I think we'll wrap it up on that. Uh, I want to thank Matt for jumping in. Austin Trusty earlier. Uh, real quick, into predictions. Predictions this weekend against the New York Red Bulls. It's a big big Union win two 0 I like it. Uh, I like it. What do you think, Matt? I I don't know if score, but I I think they win. Uh, I I think so. I think um I think they win, and it's relatively comfortable, even if the score doesn't reflect. Yeah, that. I, I'm gonna go positive too. I think I think that um that Minnesota win really buoyed them, and okay. I, I think it wiped oh. away like because oh. you go through a three games stretch like that. Yeah, you're gonna have doubts. I mean, it's it's natural, and it's like okay, are we really who we think we are? And then you you go you hammer one out against you know. Pretty good Minnesota team mm-hmm. who's been very good at home. Very good, and, at home. and you pick up the three points there. I think. I think that that gets your confidence back. So I could see them kind of coming in with their little bit of their swagger back. And I don't think Red Bull's going to sit. I think Red Bull will come out. That's going to be interesting. And kind of and kind of play a little more open. Because I think the Union will be okay with it too. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, we will wrap it up on that. I want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next week.